Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, a very pleasant good morning to you. Hi, this is Patrick Timpone. Quite an interesting conversation that uh, um, we presented over the last hour with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. with the Corbin, uh, Corbin Report, James Corbett, Corbett, Corbett Report. be a great thing to get uh, Kennedy's book, The Real Fauci, at a local bookstore, as he, as he asked you to do, and maybe get it up there on the New York Times thing, and, and uh, uh, the more people really understand what this guy's been up to the last couple of years, the better off we're, we're all going to be. Um, we have an interesting show for you, upcoming. There's a lady, her name is Mary Ido Chang, and she worked for the UN for about 20 years, and she's got some dirty laundry or some uh, interesting tales to tell about the UN. We've known that the UN is a uh, quite of a feisty organization. Uh, feisty is just a, a nice term, Mary. I was trying to be nice here because it's around Thanksgiving. <laughs> Mary Chang, uh, can we call you Mary? Is it okay? Sure, yes. And you are in, you're in Florida, correct? No, I'm in Panama, Panama City. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know where I got Florida. I'm just totally dazed and confused. Well, that's all right. You're in Panama City. Ah. And Mary, you worked for the UN. Uh, when did you start there? I started working for the UN um, at a full-time job in uh, 1986. 86, uh-huh. And at the time, um, did you feel like the UN was a, a good place that was benefiting all and, and on, you know, the whole thing, the, the story that most of us believe about the UN? Yes, I did. Yeah. And what did you do for them? Um, I entered on what they call a junior professional officer. So this would be targeted to people under 30, but um, finish their university as a first uh, entry level job. And it is in no by, um, it is not a guarantee for a job, a continued job there, but donor countries uh, sponsor programs, graduates to basically go and get a taste of what it is like to work there. And um, we normally work in, well, we work in many capacities but um, it, at, in my time, it was pretty much generally, um, you know, at uh, entry-level administrative roles and, and things like that. Uh-huh. And when did that move up to a more uh, integrated role? How long did that take before you had a kind of a real, real stuff to do? Well, I, um, after I finished my two-year program, um, I actually stayed in the Jamaica country office because I ended up getting married and, and living there for 11 years. Um, so I continued working there in pretty much, it was a, a small promotion, but it's basically a program officer and it was administrative uh, work primarily and some project design also. Um, and then I took um, off several years. I did some consulting when I had my first child and then I uh, went back to school and then I got another um, full-time job in Geneva in um, 1999 and stayed there for um, four years, for five years. Uh Overall, the the culture of the UN, what what did people really think about or talk about that their job was? What was the, 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 uh, the culture like? What did the people understand the UN to be? 
I think in, um, well, when I was in the UN and even now today, although things are always changing and I haven't really been um, in the system for pretty much a decade um, without, well, I've had a few consultancies, but things have been changing. But when I was there and here, I'm going to talk about the first in, which was the Jamaica field office. Um, and when I was there, I would say that all of us pretty much shared the same goals. Um, we were there because we wanted to be there. Um, getting a job in the UN is extremely competitive. Um, when I was helping human resources in Geneva, it was about 700 candidates per slot. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. So, so in that was in those days. And in those days, too, there were still permanent contracts. So I think most people looked at it like a lifetime commitment. Mm -hmm. But but the, this main job, did you feel like the what was the what's the UN supposed to do? I mean, what are people? What's their what's their their mission statement like? Well, of course, as you know, the United Nations is made up of many many different agencies with many types of roles. But nowadays, it would be called sustainable development would be the overall goal. <clears throat> Pardon me. In my day, it would have been just called international development. Inter so these are international development, and so they. They're they're given money by the member countries, and that's how they have money to, in theory, develop places around the world for the good. Yes, it um, you know, the history is quite long and um, somewhat labyrinthic. But generally speaking, after the Marshall Plan and the Bank for Reconstruction and Development uh, rebuilt after the Second World War then that was not really translated a bit, but it became a mission of international development, meaning at that time, helping to build poorer nations with contributions from richer nations. Mm -hmm. So the it was very much totally governmental at that time. Now, with that being said, there were a, a few special envoys. They would have used, quote, celebrities of the time in, in very certain key functions for gala fundraising events or something like that. Um, and they would have accepted donations from private trust funds. Um, with, But it was all pretty much separate. So it was intergovernmental. So it was government to government. The idea that the richer countries would pool resources and then share that with the poorer countries to rebuild or to build up the, um, the, the developing countries um, into a, a level more equal to the quote, at that time they were called developed countries, but now it would be said more developed countries. Do you feel along the way that you actually saw some good that was uh, perpetrated by the UN? Oh, definitely. I wouldn't be here talking about this at all. I wouldn't have stayed in the system for 30, uh, three decades, 20 years full-time work, I wouldn't have gone, you know, you can you can go into the records of the field office here at UNICEF and you can see me punching in at 3 a.m. Sundays. Uh, I used to work 80, 90 hours a week. Wow. Um, there's tremendous, tremendous amount of good has been done by the UN and that is why, you know, whatever the historical origins of the UN are, the fact is that for many decades, it has done tremendous work. And that is why I refer to the 
as a coup d'etat or a hijack. That we're going to talk about. So mm-hmm. somewhere along the line, you're suggesting that you you witness Mary that a, some people hijacked the UN, just took it over a coup d'etat. Well, well I mean, look. Theoretically speaking, perhaps the UN was designed with this coup d'etat in mind the whole time. Hmm. I don't think so somehow, but we cannot rule that out because we really don't know. Yes. Um, You know, anyway, I think it was more along the lines it was designed for. Now, I'm not speaking here of the political part of the UN, like the Security Council. That's a different kettle of fish. They deal with security and politics. But the, the most of the UN works just with development. So um, I can't speak for the Security Council, but I think up until about 1990, in the 80s, I think is when it started to get um, it was it was it was starting to degrade, and then it was weakened. I think purposefully weakened, um, and also it was weakened by other factors, which were you know con- consequential. Um, or quote accidental, but at that and then there were forces that came into play, which saw it in a weakened state and thought it could be used for for other means. And slowly, this um, takeover has been taking place. And when a lot of people, you know, refer to the takeover as a corporate takeover, mm-hmm. and that is true and that is not true because many corporations throughout history have been very ethical and decent it wasn't always sure you know but the 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 cadre of power including many corporate powers is what has been taking it over and you know the the fact that the partnership agreement between the world economic forum and the united nations was established in in 2019 that really accelerated the whole ball game and they sincerely are partners working for both the part the goals of sustainable development goals agenda 2030 um, but also they are working now in partnership and they are working together for the goals of the fourth industrial revolution as well and here we see the big problem but you talk about mary that even before 2019 and in, in the world economic forum the klaus schwab and we, we've known that they're their agenda is pretty public, and you can people can research it and see what they'd like to do. And people believe that they're behind this this whole COVID thing. So, but in, in who was involved in 1990 when you started to feel or see things to go other than the best for for us? What was going on there? Well, um, <clears throat> I mean. I don't know if I should really say this. It's Go ahead and say it. No. somewhat sensitive, I suppose. Um, well, I think people should look into the Pilgrim Society mm-hmm. and look into the key players. Some of them in the, you know, the the nobility rank, and look who was there, and look who was going around in the UN in those days, and where that person is now. Um, I don't really want to say his name, in all honesty. Okay. It's somewhat dangerous, I believe. Okay, I, I get it. But the Pilgrim Society, we've heard about it. I don't know a lot about it. This is one of these societies like the Freemasons or these other these other 
groups, cults, or whatever you want to call them, organizations? Mm, I don't, I, I think it's its own sort of category. Mm-hmm. And I don't know too much about it either. But I think people, we'd all be good to go and take a deeper dive into that arena. Because it's one of the power sources of the group of the powerful people. I see. And were you aware of an agenda in the 1990s, early, of this Pilgrim Society? Oh, no. I've only become aware of that in the last 12 months. I see. I see. But then what was it that... So back in the 90s, you weren't aware that the security, that the... uh, UN was not doing anything other than the best for the whole. Is that fair? Oh, I didn't. I didn't think. I haven't become aware of the corporate takeover really within the last year. Wow. Or two years. Oh. I haven't looked at it. You know, I I left the UN full time, and then I did some contracts, and then I just you know I wasn't really following what they were doing at all. I wasn't so interested. I was doing some other volunteer work and looking into other subjects. Mm-hmm. But um, yes, it was quite a surprise to me because, you know, it's a huge place, the UN. And while in 2009, I was busy working so many hours a week there, at the same time, I had no idea that certain administrative and financial procedures were slowly, slowly being changed to become more and more um, friendly of other uh, power entities and less and less, which means that they became less and less friendly with um, government entities. So it was the, you know, let's say before that 100% of the, the the connections were government to government, that became like 99% government, 1% corporate, 98% government, one corporate, one NGO. And what is also happening these days is that a lot of NGOs are being creative created rather or developed and they're actually being used more like fronts uh, NGOs. they may have official NGO status but there's so many entities out there and there's you know there can be so they channel the funding through different fronts yeah just like just like any kind of ponzi scheme so ngo i believe stands for non-government non-governmental organizations that would be like um i i don't know in this country i guess uh the nih you know what? Who Fauci works for? That's an NGO, right? No, I don't think no? so. No, I'm not sure of the status of of that organization. Um, non-government organizations usually, I mean, the label just non-governmental should therefore include anything. Uh, they usually it's more defined as being uh, civils. I think the actual correct name is civil society organizations, mm-hmm. not for profit civil society organizations. Mm-hmm. Mary uh, uh, Ido Chang is with us, Patrick Timpone, One Radio Network. Over the years, we've heard about the UN being a major player in a in a culture or an enterprise called Agenda 21. And we've had some people on the show talking about it and how they work with different local cities to do smart growth and the Green New Deal and defund the police and all of that. And these are forces where the local cities are given money from the UN to do all this stuff. 
Do you, are you aware of that that whole thing? Sure, um, absolutely. Agenda Twenty One um, came out of um, the nineteen ninety two hmm. uh, meeting, and um, that set forth the plan. One can look at that as an overall umbrella framework. If people who actually go and read the entire document of Agenda 21, um, I think it's maybe 100 pages long. Mm -hmm. But most, I mean, take a look at it and it's legitimate. I mean, it totally appears legitimate because the whole, one of the things going on today and I see this being employed in many aspects, is that it's the formula of a Trojan horse, um, the formula of exaggeration. So the people behind what is going on today, the, the negative forces of what is going on, it is my belief that they use as their overall guiding principles the philosophical strategy of the art of war, and within the art of war, of course, the first and main weapon is deceit. And part of um, deceit is uh, giving a partial truth. And as you may know, a partial truth is far more powerful than a direct lie. Because when a human being is hearing a partial truth, the part of that that is true will be absorbed into them and taken as true. So, yes, you know, mm. so the, this is what is happening in many, many um, aspects. And can you tell us about, uh, tell folks what Agenda 21 is about and what they want to do that the UN runs? Well, Agenda 21 is the, was the basic um, first um, global policy which, which looked at both human development and ecological sustainability. Understanding that without the sustainability of ecological systems, human development would be, would be at, at best held back and at worst sabotaged. So they go through basically every interlink between the ecology and any all other aspects of social um, social aspects of human society, economic aspects of human society, so that those are interlinked throughout the long document, and the form is high level policy. It's a it's a policy document at a very high level of overarching umbrella policies meant for all of those interactions, so that. Every single aspect of development, which was only economic and social, um, now becomes uh, filtered through the eyes of looking at that through ecological sustainability. So was this the whole, Mary, the run-up to this huge Green New Deal thing that's really, really front and center now with the World Economic Forum and, you know, this trillions and trillions of dollar plan that they have planned for us was this was this paving the way for that as i said before maybe it was set up 
with that in mind. Although the way it was set up was very tricky because many, many governments signed on to it, yeah. thinking that it was indeed well-meaning. And if you read the document, it's very boring. You're not going to find any juicy stuff in there. However, whether that was well-intended or whether that included the skeleton of the nefarious plans of today, the fact is that now they can take, they, they have weaponized it. Carbon is now their new weapon. Yeah, uh, to be taxed and to control. Hmm? Yes. Oh, excuse me. Fat finger there. Mary Otto Chang is with it. Mary, stay right there, and we're going to do uh, a couple little breaks, uh, commercials here. Can we do that? And then uh, we'll, sure. be, we'll be right back with you. What do you think? Uh, you want to join us? 888-663-6386. Email patrick at oneradionetwork.com. Stay tuned. We are, whoops, let me kind of make this thing if I can see what I can do here. If you've uh, never experienced a sauna, um, have you? Oh, come on. Really? Well, if you've never experienced a sauna, I think you're going you're gonna to like ours. We have a really nice portable starter, sauna called the Relax Far Infrared Sauna. And uh, it's incredibly low. Uh, there's no uh, radio, um, RFs. There's some magnetic energy which goes from the bottom for the floor to the bottom of the chair. Some magnetic energy. And that's it. no more than what you get just driving on your car because I've checked it. And that's it because people ask about that. There's no electrical energy. It's magnetic energy that comes from the little little units that keep it hot and it's the far infrared, the far infrared um, technology. It's a great one. Twelve ninety five delivered. Twelve ninety five delivered. Uh, if you're in the lower forty eight, here's Brian Clements. He talked about it some years ago about the saunas, about the benefits of saunas. Brian Clement, who heads up the Hippocrates Institute in Florida, talked about saunas here. Elke writes in for Brian Clements. Would Brian give us some tips? on what supplements we would need to take if we do saunas several times a week to replenish lost minerals from sweating. Well, Dr. Rao, who you had on, is a colleague and a friend. We do often conferences together in Europe, and I agree. We have saunas here. I take a sauna, so you know this, no matter where I travel in the world, 365 days a year. I think it's mandatory. Really? 87%, listen closely, 87% more heavy metals and chemicals come out in an infrared. Well, no wonder we feel better when we take these saunas. We have the Relax Far Infrared Sauna we've talked about. Yes, and we have it an everyday price of twelve ninety five, Mr. Patrick. Twelve ninety five. And that is a, a great, great price. Uh, if you go on their website, I think it's uh fifteen, sixteen hundred, seventeen, something like that. Not sure what it is, but um uh, this is the uh, best price you're going to get. The only way you get the price is to email me, Patrick, at OneRadioNetwork.com, and we ship them all over the world, all over the world, on OneRadioNetwork.com. Click and order the Relax Far Infrared Sauna. If you're watching on video, you see this green container. This baby is filled up with uh, Pearlsium, which is a wonderful product that is made from real pearl by Rulan Shu, and uh, it's a wonderful product that you can brush your teeth with 
and also take internally. If you do, if you want to take a lot of it internally, it's good for um, it's good for uh, 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 a beauty beautifying thing and longevity as well when you take it internally. Or you can take it just out of the scoop out of the thing and put it in there. It doesn't taste terrible at all. It tastes pretty good actually. So uh, you can get it right now, twenty five percent off. Use the promo code Thanksgiving. Promo code Thanksgiving, twenty five percent off on all Pearl Seal products right now and uh, uh, you can do it uh, for the next couple of weeks so there you have it Pearl Sam I think you're going you're gonna to enjoy it OneRadioNetwork.com well let's see if I can do the right controls here and I'll make the thing work well from the hill country in Texas this is OneRadioNetwork.com we're talking with Mary Otto Chang. Mary Otto Chang is in Panama, and she worked for the UN for about 20 years. You know, th- this Agenda 21 thing, do you have uh, a sense, or with your research, of how uh, people out of, I guess, where is the main headquarters of the UN in Europe, Mary? Where is it? Geneva. Geneva how they could possibly control people in Madison, Wisconsin, Austin, Texas, Portland, Oregon, uh, Houston, Dallas, all the cities that they do with this Agenda 21 thing. How do they pull that off, do you know? Oh, well, the the UN is really um, nothing more than the green curtain. There's an Oz that sits behind us. (laughs) Yeah, so, but how, how, how is it that they can have their little tentacles into Austin, Texas, or Madison, Wisconsin, or, or these other uh, um, liberal cities? Well, there we must look, um, we must follow the money. And we there would be the part that the corporate world mainly are playing, as well as certain... Um, very, very wealthy people or very, very wealthy families who are very powerful in the world as well. But basically, the corporate take, you know, the the corporate coup d'etat in the different industries, the media has been taken over. Mm-hmm. The mainstream media has been taken over in many, many countries. Yes. In most first world countries, I'd say. Okay. And then we have the entertainment business. They have been in- infiltrated by certain factions of this bad group. And then we have politicians who I believe have been not only bribed, but also coerced with blackmail, perhaps. Ah, yes, ma'am. So we have that too. And where would the money come from? People conjecture, Mary, that you know, all the way from Geneva, a place like Austin or or, or Portland or wherever, um, they actually give money to the mayors and the city council people to run this program. Where would that money come from? Just these big boys behind the green curtain? Pretty much, yes. Because remember that in the, um, in the days before corporate involvement in the UN, let's say before 1990, and that's just an approximate kind of, you know, mm-hmm. um, year. Yes, ma'am. Um, but 
they would have, it would have been government to government. So there would have had to be some form of democratically represented democratic um, agreement. So for example, Sweden democratically through their government system um, would decide through their CEDA, they, they have uh, SIDA, the Swedish um, International Development Agency, SIDA, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is part of the Swedish government, would decide how much they would give to the UN for the recipient countries. Then, um, let's say the recipient country was Jamaica, and then the government of Jamaica would democratically, transparently, totally recorded, um, decide collectively how that money would be spent so everything was very controlled very above board mm. absolutely controlled and in the days before electronics the control was tight as a ship mm. we had our six mm. tissue paper cron file with the carbon copy where everyone could see everything everything was sent and there was you know um so now though with with corporate money being such a huge part not only corporate money but actual corporate partnerships um, being such a huge part, we don't even know where that money comes from, really. When you That's it, the money is only being transparent as far as, you know, let's say, for example, the X corporation um, is going to give $2 million to one part of the UN. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, mm -hmm. we, the UN would only, they have their certain checks and balances to see that money is indeed from a quote credible corporation and not from some mafia or what money laundering thing but in truth and in fact a corporation is only as honest as the people who control it and with public sector huge corporations where there is no one individual um whose name is actually behind it the ethics get very sketchy yes ma'am um do you know if the clinton foundation has been putting money into the u.n to do stuff No, I actually don't know. Okay. I know I haven't I haven't checked on that. Fair enough. I haven't checked on that. But the thing is that even if I mean, as I said before, there's like fronts. I for example, I'll give you a concrete example. I okay. was checking out a, a WHO budget, I think it was 2018-2019, or it might have been 1718 anyway. It was a biennial a two year budget, all right. And because I used to write budgets and because I, I know the story of how things work, basically speaking, um, I was looking at this budget and then I saw that there was a contribution of cash, all right, from the African Epidemiology Network, okay? So right there, I'm going, uh-huh, no. First of all, no small NGO is going to be given a million bucks cash, zero. That's never going to happen. And that's just not on. So then I checked into who's funding them, and we saw American interests. What kind of American interests, can you say? I'd have to check the details. Okay. But I can't remember now. But it would be... might have been CDC. It might have been CDC. It might have been Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. But those, those documents are public. And it's like a 103-page budget. So normal people aren't going to go digging where I go digging. Yeah. Um, as you know, the whole vaccine thing is such big news now. How are the UN involved with getting vaccines out into the world? Are they? Are they part of this whole vaccine thing? 
Well, the World Health Organization is, of course, uh, an agency of the United Nations. Oh, it is an agency of? Oh, I didn't know that. It's part of the United Nations, ah, yes. Oh, wow. So they're, and they're, they're, they're driving a lot of this injection agenda, fair to say. The world, the world. Actually, actually, not so much. Hmm. They are being, okay, the UN is only because it was originally government to government. Yes, ma'am. It was never allowed to prescribe anything. It is not allowed to lead anything. It is only allowed to advise and to advocate, to encourage and promote, as long as those things fit within certain things like, for example, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Hmm. So the UN cannot agree with funding anything that isn't in, the, in those declarations. It cannot promote anything, that it, and so on and so on. Most of the Declaration of uh, Human Rights, for example, has been picked up into national declarations of human rights on national bases. So that was the operation before. So everything they did would have had to fit under all of those basic declarations. In fact, for many years, I'd say for two decades, the whole UN adopted every single agency um, before it was just human rights. Okay, so the Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights. But then, I can't say when, I think about 19, the end of the 90s or 2000s, the whole UN was pushed to have human rights based. So, UNICEF was human rights based child welfare. Um, the Pan American Health Organization was human rights based health care. So, everything was human rights based. So, theoretically, no, the UN has not, should not be able to promote anything that isn't human rights based. Um, it's very interesting, in fact, because the, um, the national sources all look to the WHO at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. That was okay, because the WHO is supposed to collect and coordinate information from other countries. That's the idea. So, for example... The, um, the role of the, and a more, uh, an appropriate role for the WHO, if it had not been corrupted, which it is very highly, everyone knows that, um, then it would, what its role would have been, would have been have this, okay, let's look at all the scientific reports from all of the countries. Oh, here's a country that says hydroxychloroquine is working or whatever. Let's take a look at that. Let's have scientists who are not bought and paid for and in someone's back pocket really talk about things the way they've been trained to do. And, you know, through this whole thing, I, you know, there's a, the whole body of professionals who have sold their souls. It's such a shame. It's a shame to their craft. It's a shame to science. It's a shame to, you know, um, statesmen. It's a shame to politics, really. You know that the original definition of, of being a states person or a political person was to care for the souls of your constituents? Really? If wow. you look at it from the days of Plato, how far have we meandered, you know, meandered? My goodness. Yeah. Indeed. What did you think about when, when President Trump started trashing the UN and wanted to cut funding and all that? What was, what was your reaction to that? Well... 
Now, now, maybe he was trying to stop this whole mess from happening. Hmm, That's a possibility. Yeah. You know, and yes, I know he was, he was very open in what he said in Davos, I believe two years in a row, and also on the, um, the July 4th speech he made, um, and another speech, I can't remember which one, but he's spoken very openly that he says he is not for this globalist takeover. Yes, ma'am. Um, that is what he says. And, um, you know, who is who has said some very interesting things, if I'm not sure if you're aware, but um, President Putin has said some very interesting things about what's going on in the West. Yes, ma'am. And, you know, whoever he is, whatever he is, he is certainly very powerful and he may well be very ruthless. I have no idea, but he is, an, he is a very intelligent man. And if he is not being sincere in his speech about the West, the 20-minute the one, fairly recently, um, you know, he's a very, very good actor because in that speech, he, he's basically exasperated. He says, okay, hoist the flag, go ahead. But we it all happened before. Yes, ma'am. You know? Yeah. And he, he's pretty much, the speech I heard and it was translated was that he was telling this whole fourth industrial revolution thing is crazy and he doesn't want any part of it. He said it. He told Klaus Schwab and these people, he said, you guys are crazy. So, I mean, Yes, he did. He did. It was, um, he, he has a, he's, he has such a way of, you know, just elegantly dissing them. Yeah. Just dismissing them. Yes. Yeah. You know, and it, you know, he, um, yes, he, he said this scheme will never work because it has nothing to do with who humans really are. It has nothing to do with what humanity is all about. And it is the, you know, but the the fact that the dream has has advanced so far, yes, ma'am, yeah, is something. So, can you help us understand how it's possible that out of uh, Davos and the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab, who who's pretty famous right now because he's like whatever top of the food chain there, how they were able to integrate into the UN? in the last few years so significantly to run this whole COVID operation and whatever they have up their sleeve, that would have meant, Mary Otto Chang, that there was a whole bunch of swampy people there waiting for this to happen, right? I mean, he couldn't have just taken it over just because he was Klaus Schwab. Can you help us understand how it happened? Sure. It happened, the main, the main weapon that was used was the use of words. In the United Nations, there's only one type of, um, there's only, the only people who speak one language in the UN, because by rule, we're all supposed to speak two, at least. Um, but the only people you see in there who speak one language well, speak English, okay? Because that's the power language in the UN. A whole lot of people who work in the UN are lawyers. They were lawyers or they have legal training. Many of them are highly skilled at languages in general. 
it is not uncommon for, for people to speak three, four, eight, whatever. All right. So all our work is done with words. The developments done by projects, which are documents of words. Then we have policy, which is words and debates is words, words, words. So words can be very tricky. So through games of semantics, through decades and decades, slowly in a very trickle, trickle way, the, um, the bad interests have infiltrated right through the UN. But it has been ongoing for at least, at least since, in my opinion, the, when the, the Millennium Development Goals, which were normal looking goals, when they became the Sustainable Development Goals, is when uh, 10 more goals were put in there. And those goals are the, are the mothership or the umbrellas for the goals of the fourth industrial revolution. So they put, it's, they, they infiltrated through planning. They infiltrated through putting objectives in with other objectives. Hmm. Intertwined, cleverly, well-planned, well-coordinated over years. Right. And even now, through words, the words of today that they use are great reset. Mm -hmm. Often, that is the most common um, with the brujeria lexicon of build back better and inclusive multi-stakeholder capitalism, which is an oxymoron within itself, but we don't have 10 hours to get into that. Right. So it's this and that and there are little... And also, too... The, a lot of the people who work in government, as you know better than I, um, or as well as I do, because I think this is true in every single country, in every single pack, in every single tribe, in every single group, all right? Mm -hmm. The people who tend to like these systems are, are often followers. They're not huge critical thinkers, perhaps. They like a military hierarchical system. They feel more comfortable in that. And these institutions, the government, the UN is... Um, modeled after a British administration, which is modeled after the military. So it's all, you know, even the titles, maybe not today, but in my day were chief, division head, um, officer, you know, and your boss says jump and you say how high and you do it right then. And you don't ask questions. Usually, mm -hmm. so many times you have great bosses and they develop things with you. And those are the sincere people, but that's not who we have because I, I suspect, and I've, I've kind of heard, and you can tell me, but in general, if you get yourself a good position at the UN, it's well paid, and there's probably benefits and retirement and everything. So people, a lot of people are just weak, and they just go along, huh? Yes, absolutely. Um, here, I would say that mm, there are different groups of, of people in the UN. Some people in the UN... Um, maintain in the UN well in my day most people stayed in the UN because they thought they were doing something worthwhile yes, and they believed in the UN mm -hmm. and it was well paid but in those days it wasn't nearly as well paid because in those days there were permanent contracts with very good pensions and very good allowances but the cash it was still good but it wasn't so fantastic then in 1990 President Bush Sr. did not pay the pledge of $1 billion. This greatly affected the UN, which at the time did not have a lot of other non-governmental income support. 
So what they did was they threw out all the elders, <clears throat> gave them golden handshakes and sent them on their way. With those people, the ethics were lost. Any nobility was there was lost, uh. you know. And then they took out the permanent contracts and they put in one-year contracts, maybe two-year contracts. And then the person in charge of renewing that contract or not was one person only, your direct supervisor. So take it from there. Wow. The office wow. politics when I was in Geneva was nothing short of draconian. So on, on, the, on the front, it might seem like a good idea if Bush, you say it was Bush uh, Sr., uh, you wanted to cut off funding, but you're arguing perhaps it was there was a, uh, a method to the madness, so to speak, so they could restructure it through lack of funding. Yes. Wow. That was, I think that was deliberate. I do. I think that step was deliberate. At the time, I didn't think it was deliberate. I thought that President Bush was just sick and tired of any inefficiency and so on. But when one really thinks about that, that's silly because the inefficiency of the UN from in 1990 was actually way less than it was in 1986 when the UN adopted what they call... Um, I think our internet is having a hard time, but it'll it'll come back. Stay right there. Mariato Chang is with us. Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. We're gonna let's run a commercial here and see if we can get her back, getting happy. Oh, hi. That's okay. Uh, Hello. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, yeah, I think your internet was kind of uh, going a little bit south or so, was it? Uh, we need to do a break anyway, Mary. Stay right there. Okay, stay right there. This is a great company. We're going to have a lot of uh, uh, sales for you this weekend, and this you're going to be introduced to some really deep discounts on um, Friday, this coming Friday, uh, uh, with Sir Thrival. And uh, so stick around for that one. You can also get some uh, deep discounts for Black Friday this weekend with Shen Blossom. If you've been hearing us talking about Shen Blossom, that's a good thing. And so hold off for a couple of days and uh, you're going you're gonna to be able to buy some great products at a great price. And then also this one, um, Blue Shield, if you've been thinking about getting one of these, you've talked to us about it. Um, I think we're going to do something special on the AquaCure tool for Black Friday this weekend so save your money you're going to have a lot of chances to get some good stuff and uh, um, and then this one I'm going to see if we can get something working but uh, right now you want to get yourself some sulfur previously with Stephanie Seneff PhD research scientist with MIT on her work with glyphosates GMO and sulfur I know you really care about sulfur and so do I you know I really think sulfur is crucial for health, and that we have a massive problem with sulfur deficiency in this country. Uh, one of the proteins that I found that is disrupted by glyphosate, because it has an essential glycine, is sulfotransferase. That's a protein that moves sulfate from one molecule to another, but it's really, really important to be able to do that. And why wouldn't it be able to do it? Because the glyphosate disrupts the the natural sulfur cycle in our body? The cell won't be able to defend itself with sulfate if it can't put the sulfate there. And of course, glyphosate chelates sulfurs. A perfect storm in the challenges department, perhaps, but 
we're getting creative. So we know that we've been low on sulfur for years because of the chemical fertilizers. And now the GMO thing, which is disrupting the sulfur cycle. And we know with sufficient amounts of sulfur in the body, it's the natural way that the body gets these heavy metals, for example, mercury and mercury sulfate, out of the body if we have enough sulfur. Click and order sulfur today on oneradionetwork.com. Broadcasting live, weekday morning, this is listener-supported One Radio Network. Let's better turn on my microphone. Interesting conversation with Mary Otto Chang. Uh, Mary, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's really, wow. Um, So uh, a couple emails, and then we'll let you go, and I have a few other questions. One is from Patty. Would you please ask your guest if she believes there are forces out today that truly want to depopulate Earth. Yes, I do. Do you? Yes. If you if you were in a kind of a courtroom or something where you felt good, could you talk about who these forces are? Courtroom? I would not be feeling good in any courtroom today. <laughs> I think most of the courtrooms are completely corrupted also. Yes, ma'am. Um, Broad strokes. Well, we know, we, we know for a fact, let's say what we do know. Mm-hmm. We know for a fact that the, um, the people behind this scheme are not out for our health. Yes. We know that. That's a scientifically, scientifically proven one hundred times over. Mm -hmm. We know for a fact that all the media is owned and the information being received by that media is lies. Much of it is lies. Yes, ma'am. We know that for a fact also. And um, we know that the, even if you, you know, the, many of the elite are certainly not practicing what they preach, whether it be with they take their masks off before the camera has arrived or whether they're flying their private jets to the climate change meeting and so on so they're being false and they have no personal integrity whatsoever minimum so um it's the same people that are controlling the schemes now that is a pyramid i believe meaning that the people who actually control the puppet strings at the highest level are probably because basically human politics is less than junkyard dog dog interactions. If you study junkyard dogs and if you study human politics, you will see that. Okay? So the strings are pulled by a very few people. And usually the dogs, the junkyard dogs who are most powerful, are the biggest and the strongest and the most aggressive. So what humans on the planet are the biggest, strongest, and most aggressive? By strongest, I mean richest. Yes. We have seen... Um reports from um, David Martin. Have you seen some of his work? Really interesting. Um, Really naming names about the people behind this whole vaccine scam, you know, injection thing. And and it appears then, with what you have seen, Hurt told us today, that whether it be Moksevich of of, uh, Facebook or Gates or Soros or whomever, that they're able to get money into this 
through these different NGOs, Mary, and and you'd have to really be forensic researchers like Martin and yourself to say, yeah, see, he gave money in. Yeah. Yes, it's all in the connections. Um, there's a huge, huge data um, document which by AIM Cats. I don't know if you know AIM Cats. I do not. It's an American group. I, I can send you the document. Please, um, yeah. It's it's not in it's not in the best of formats because the resolution is like difficult. But you can see what it is, and it's dozens and dozens of pages showing the connections between all the entities, between the money, the corporate powers, the central banking wow. system. Wow. We haven't even talked about them today. Sure. I mean, seriously, money's always behind things, and the central banking system is absolutely deeply entrenched in the core of this movement, also. So um, yes. yes, but there, this, I think we I think people need to look at the actual connections. And many times, like you might think, oh, well, this person is not really connected. But then you have to look at uh, something in between. So maybe both of those um, entities meet in the middle because they both sit on some committee group or summit meeting thing. Or but the, the links are there. I mean, there's also a meeting in, in the the Vale, Colorado meeting. I, I hear is even more important than the Davos meeting. So yeah. Oh, you mean the 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 banking thing? Yeah, I know which one you mean. Yeah. So, um, so I guess there's just no doubt that the IMF, the Bank of International Settlements, uh, the Central Bank of you know that uh, now Lagarde is running, and the uh, Federal Reserve Bank, they must meet and sit and and play golf with these people. I mean, they have to. That's Big, big money, right? I think so. No. Yes. No doubt about it. Well, so um, before we go, do you, do you have some time put in, in on the researching of this uh, whole Green New Deal thing that they just did this, this uh, event in Scotland and what that's all about and some of their long-term goals and ideas, what they want to do? Well, the Glasgow meeting, yes. um, they, that was the convention of parties, uh, the 26th convention of parties, which is organized under the United Nations um, Convention um, for the uh, Framework of Climate Change. Mm-hmm. And um, that's another thing, actually, a, a good little 10-second story that if anyone wants to wonder how important, how how serious these leaders are about the climate change, apart from the fact that they, they're eating their endangered species at their luncheons and the flying around in their aircraft. But I mean, let's just look at some numbers like the UNFCCC, which is the main UN body for all things to do with climate change, both in terms of negating it, like all the energy stuff, as well as adaptation of the consequences, okay? Um, that, and they're also in charge of organizing that big COP meeting where there can be like 50,000 people. It's a really big deal. It's a huge event, usually very well run. I've been to three of them or four of them. I can't remember. Anyway, um, you know, but about $100 million a year is the annual budget for the UNFCCC. And Qatar is putting... 200 billion into the football games wow for 2020 the next world cup or whatever 200 billion so you can see, yes that's what they announced so i mean you can see the relevance of important there in the world um but that was the convention of parties the green new deal is just another offshoot like you remember the paris agreement 
And so it's all part of the the climate change. It's all part of addressing climate change. The Green New Deal is another another layer of complication. That's another thing the UN and the World Economic Forum and all the parties, they're, they're complicating this just right out of the galaxy. So many new organizations. Even if you look just at the urban, the urban issues, there's literally hundreds of entities regarding smart cities, urban resilience, and they couple that onto other programs. And the, 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 that is a camouflage, in my opinion, because it's very, very hard to understand through all of this mess of stuff. Yes, yes, ma'am. And then when you also co-opt uh, Facebook and Twitter and you know YouTube and all the rest of them, you know, places like our, we get censored from YouTube. They just took us down. Uh, I'm in 30-day Facebook jail right now. If you even talk a question, climate change, you know, they flag you and just, you know, censor you. Um, so we're on other things like Telegram. So this is a huge kind of giant squid that they just want to pull off what they want to pull off, and they don't really care about you and me and what we think, do they? No. And um, at the same time, you know, there's a tremendously simple thing that we can do. And we will win in five minutes if we do this. Oh. Everyone. Everyone now. Throw out your smartphones. Throw them in the garbage. Throw your laptops in the garbage, too. Go to an old landline. Go to paper and pen for communication. Or maybe a flip phone. And without digitalizing us all. That will be a huge, huge setback. Yes, ma'am. Well, you know, After they've spent- yeah, most humans are lazy and they're not going to do that, you know that. But I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Well, I, I think that it, it is, um, I think it goes beyond um, laziness because they've been devising to addict us for at least a decade. Yes, ma'am. And they've been bringing the addiction slowly closer to our bodies with first, you know, room, a computer room back in the 80s, and then the big, big desktop, and then the lap, the docking station, and then the laptop, and then the iPad, and then the yeah. iPad, and so on, right, right into our own bodies. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, exactly. And do you think this, uh, um, the whole Fed coin thing, and the, the ECB coin that's coming, and then the vaccine passports, that seems to be, they want to integrate this too, to control the money going in and out of these these smartphones if you behave yourself. Oh, yes. Um, In terms of integration, um, people should all go to the World Economic Forum website and you should look at their their tool for their integrative planning, their little circle thing, maybe you've seen it, which links up all the things that that, um, that are indeed linked. But the ultimate goal in my studied opinion, is global control. That is the ultimate goal. Mm -hmm. And the goal under that would be singularity. Singularity meaning? Meaning humans become AI, human, human, chimera, hybrid, human 2.0. Yes, yes, ma'am. I understand. Then the goals beyond under that uh, singularity would be the two long-term objective goals of the book uh, in the book Fourth Industrial Revolution by Klaus Professor Schwab, 
and there he has 21 short-term goals which he wants to have a critical advance completed by 2025 and then there are two long-term goals which have no deadline but those are designer human beings the first designer baby born and the first artificial memory implanted really what what are these short-term goals that mr schwab wants before 2025 just uh, three years away um, I'd have to refer to my okay. list, but basically they're about, you know, digitalizing this and digitalizing that and tracking all the clothes you wear and oh, all kinds of things. But it, they're all like um, building for the, the completion of the, the, the long-term goals. Uh-huh, uh-huh. In your opinion, and you don't have to answer if you don't, um, do you think that they're going to come out with another virus other than other than Marburg and uh, the other ones they've talked about do you think there's something else is ahead uh, Mary in the next three or four months oh yes who knows what is ahead who knows what is ahead but Mm -hmm. these people look even if you just look at like um, you know let's say a report that is supposed to have been produced um, only four months after COVID started, January 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the report is like April 2020. Okay, So if you look at the amount of hours to build that report, it's way more than they could have done in four months. So, I mean, you can get so many tangible things that, that point to this. So they have been planning this literally for decades. Yes, okay? I believe that mm-hmm. they, the advance of technology they actually have is way more than they're showing us. I think that this whole, I think that this program is actually being run by artificial intelligence Hmm. because I do not believe they could have done it so well with just humans, although maybe they could, but they have done a very high up banker who's about 55 years old, German banker who worked with Deutsche Bank and private consultant and all of that. He told me that before they even started this 2020 pandemic first attack, um, that they already figured they had won. They had had artificial intelligent models tell them that they had already won. Mm-hmm. And is- the main, you know, the, apart from information which they're controlling, they're also controlling money. Mm-hmm. This is pure speculation, but interesting, I think, to talk about. I, I, don't, I don't think that this uh, whole Epstein affair is separate from any of it. I would suspect, and we'll see if there, anything comes out, that these people have a lot of... Uh, a lot of stuff on a lot of politicians, and that's how they control them. Absolutely, you think the carrot? Absolutely, the carrot um, was the bribery of the politicians with whatever X, Y, and Z, and then the stick uh, was for those who were beyond bribing, maybe very, very wealthy people who didn't need any more money or or whatever. But um, <clears throat> I think that the the well, apparently Mossad is connected with the whole um, Epstein family, um, not the whole family, but the parts of the Epstein, um, sorry, Maxwell family, and Epstein is supposed to be connected also. So I think they, whatever this is, it's very well funded and there's big, big players involved, huge players, whether it's whichever governments or whoever, but it's big, big, big players, yeah. far beyond like the U.S. government level. Well, it is a brave new world, Miss uh, Ido Chang, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> what a mess we've got ourselves into, we humans, isn't it? 
Thank goodness. So what are your goals? What What are you up to? Well, I'm um, doing some... First of all, I tend to educate myself, so I do spend a lot of time learning. And then I share some information with some people who are also working um, behind the scenes and above the scenes or in front of the scenes. Um, And I just continue with my efforts as a keyboard warrior. Um, Yes, ma'am. Well, you're doing good work, and you obviously have done lots of research. And why, why Panama? You just felt that was a good spot to land for a while? Actually, um, we, we, I was, my husband and I were transferred here with our, with his, when we used to work in the UN. Oh, so I we see. were sent here. I see. But we're very, very happy here. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice place, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for being there. You don't have a website or anything, right? You're just kind of on your own? Yes, I, I don't have a website. A keyboard warrior. I don't even know how I found you, but I'm glad we did. And I, I thank you very much for, for spending time and coming on the show. I think it helped fill in some blanks for people that uh, so we can understand. I think it's important that we do understand the model, the game, the matrix that we're dealing with, don't you? Yeah, I think it takes a lot of the fear out of it if you say, well, that's... and then try to figure out how to navigate around it. Do you agree? Oh, yes, absolutely. Because, I mean, the <clears throat> you can... Some people who are not aware of things, that's one thing, but if people have an idea that something's wrong, I would really encourage you to look because you might think it's more stressful to learn about all this bad news mm-hmm. than it is stressful, mm-hmm. but it's much worse when you don't know. It's truly much worse when you don't know. So take the time. And and another thing I'd just like to say before I leave that, please, everybody, please do not look at the messenger. Don't judge the messenger listen to the message and look what is connected to the messenger look who they're with anyone's paying them or not you know before you flash out conspiracy theorist at someone think why is this person like even me why am i bothering to do this now i am not getting paid by patrick okay um (laughs) um, i'm not buying anything from him he's not buying anything from me and i'm perhaps risking my reputation um, my google history has been changed significantly since oh, i started this really? journey good for them oh yes oh yeah yes they've hidden all references to any un work i've done pretty much wow you, you can still get it if you search all the words but yeah well this ai stuff is as you uh, so eloquently said i think whatever technology we think they have i think they have a lot more that we don't know about and uh, how they've been able to pull this whole thing off, Mary. Yeah. It appears we're guppies. <laughs> well, it's, mm, we are in a sea of uh, challenges. Just We just don't want to try to become fish food, right? Just We don't need to be fish food if we're swimming around. Mary, thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate it. Uh, you did good work and... Uh, have a happy holiday down there in Panama. Say hi to everyone. Mary. Thank you. Mary, Mary Thank you so Chang. much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Take care of yourself. <clears throat> Mary Ido Chang. Patrick Timpone. OneRadioNetwork.com. Let me see if I can figure out how to disconnect her. I'm still um, working on that. We got a new system. It's a little bit spicy, but uh, it's, now it's working. 
Well, good information, right? I really believe that. I, you know, I, I don't. Uh, I can hear about this stuff and talk about it, and I don't feel any juice in my stomach, uh, which is usually the first place it goes if I've got some kind of tension. It's just uh, for me, and I hope uh, we can help you to, you know, look at it in the same way. It's just a movie. It's just the Matrix, and it's interesting to see how it's all working and playing out. And if we're playing in this game, I think that it's um, good to understand who the players are and how it's being done, and then we can make the strategic moves without getting all stressed out and freaked out, running around with our hair on fire. Which is, um, you know, I think a, a big job. But think of it this way. We're going to be stronger, um, brighter. Our lights are going to be shining even brighter as this thing's all unfold. Uh, more and more things are coming up. Uh, Julian Assange is about to um, <coughs> release a whole bunch of stuff and uh, uh, check out our Telegram channel. We're kind of following Julian Assange on our Telegram channel. Now that we're in Facebook jail, who knows if we'll ever get back. Just go to the front page of One Radio Network. You'll see the Telegram link. Click on that. Join our group. Some really good people. You see all kinds of cra- I mean, crazy stuff. And read what you want. Uh, participate. Talk to people. Make new friends. Just don't be snarky. And also then on the front page of One Radio Network, you'll see the up the top there, we have a nice banner for BitChute. That's where we put all of our videos. And uh, you can see all the video shows there. And then on the front page of One Radio Network, all of the um, audio shows from yesterday on down to 13 years ago. That is, keep on going. Uh, all free, no cost. We don't charge for anything. You don't have to join up. All we ask is that if you feel so motivated to take care of your health with some of the products, that we really have a lot of respect for, that we use every day. I mean, all these things, the pine pollen and, you know, and we got this digestive bitters and all this stuff. These chlorophyll things from Shen Blossom, we, they're all right here. Pearlsium, we use them. And uh, they're good products. And we know the source of these products. So, if you got some bucks there you want to spend, God love you, uh, go to our website, you look down the front page on the right side or in our store, lots of good things. And some people don't want to buy stuff and they just send us 10 bucks a month and 20 bucks a month and man, that's great. We love that. So we've been able to make a living for the last 13 years and we'll keep doing it just by doing this and not charging. So it's a nice model that hope you enjoy. I, uh, it's an honor to be here every day. We're going to have fun tomorrow. We're going to talk to uh, Richard Mayberry on the last Wednesday of the month at 11 o'clock, but I think we're going to have a little surprise tomorrow. Don't have a total confirmation that I'll just leave it up to you. And we're going to be here on Friday uh, uh, after Thanksgiving. Why not? There'll be a lot of people off and you know, just meet some new people and, and chat it up a little bit and talk about all the different... Got a lot of great Black Friday sales. You can buy some of these products. So don't buy anything today from our people unless you want to, but they're going to a lot of these uh, places will have them on sale. May as well wait till Friday. I love you all very much. Thank you for your support. Let me know if I can help. My email is patrick at oneradionetwork.com. Patrick at oneradionetwork.com.
www.thepowerfulnetwork.com. May the blessings be. I'll press the bright button. Know the Source on One Radio Network.